From the Hydrogen Media offices in Washington, D.C., this is Everything About Hydrogen. I'm Andrew Leadham, General Counsel at Biotech, and joining me from a few blocks down the road here in Washington is Patrick Malloy, Manager in the Breakthrough Technologies Group at RMI. And of course, Chris Jackson, CEO of Proteum, who is calling in from London. On today's episode of Everything About Hydrogen, we are speaking with Andrew Cunningham, founder and director at Geopura. Geopura was founded to help source enough clean energy to electrify the global economy and navigate the logistical issues of getting this energy to where it is needed. The Geopura solution uses renewable energy to create hydrogen and hydrogen-based zero-emission fuels, which are then transported to locations where a local generator converts it to electrical power. It's great to have Andrew with us on the show, and we are excited to jump into our conversation with him today. But before we get into it, we'd just like to remind everyone that if you have any questions for us here at Everything About Hydrogen, please shoot us an email at info at h2podcast.com or give us a shout on Twitter at, at About Hydrogen. All right, let's get this episode started. All right, guys. Well, uh, Patrick, while Chris sorts out some technical difficulties on his side with his printer, let's just have a little chat ourselves here, huh? How how are things, Patrick? How's life? (laughs) My God, you're a It's a Sunday morning at 8 a.m., Patrick. This is when I thrive. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I didn't know how critical po- uh, printers were for podcasting uh, up until this moment. And uh, yeah, I've, I've discovered that uh, we're all apparently early risers. So uh, do, doing good, doing good. Looking forward to the summer. Yeah, for Chris, it's like middle of the day, right? So he's just at home printing out listener stats and reading through them all day. It's like a beautiful mind kind of thing. He's writing on the glass windows, that kind of deal. <laughs> I would love to write on my uh, on my glass windows. Uh, the far more prosaic and boring answer is that I'm on uh, a very badly set of scheduled trains. Um, so I'm doing six hours of uh, of travel this afternoon, and I'm despite supposedly being you know young and supposedly technologically literate, I find it very hard to read on a laptop on a train for more than an hour before I fall asleep. So I'm just printing out a whole bunch of stuff, which is not super eco, but it is recycled paper. So I can actually read through that on the train. Nice, nice save there at the end. Where, where are you headed, Chris? Uh, I'm heading to COP. Uh, I say that. No, I'm not heading to COP. I'm heading to Glasgow. Sorry. <laughs> I might still head Late. to COP, but uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually yeah, heading to I hate to break it to you, man. You missed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Damn. No, yeah. So there, there's a um, uh, an event on uh, hydrogen and aviation that's being hosted by PA Consulting and the ATI. So um, very kindly, they've asked me to come up and and talk. So, uh, you know, as you guys know, I can't resist an opportunity to talk. So I was a sucker for that. <laughs> I see, I, we are, we are, we are well aware, Chris. I think with that, why don't we dive right into it? Chris, I uh, believe uh, you were going to do a little introduction for our guests here today from Geopura. So I'll hand it over to you, man. Sure, Andrew. So our guest today is Andrew Cunningham. Andrew Cunningham is the CEO and founder of a company called Geopura, as you said, Andrew. Uh, Geopura is a really exciting UK-based uh, hydrogen service company that provides um, auxiliary power units um, using fuel cell technologies to various different end users, whether they are construction businesses, events companies, um, and really just providing a drop-in, plug-in, play alternative to diesel-based off-grid power solutions. 
It's really exciting because it's a company that's thought very carefully about where there's an immediate commercial need. I think there's sometimes a question mark over when some of these technologies and applications are going to be commercial and people building today with the presumption that by the time they're built, they'll be commercial, whereas GeoPura is quite interesting in that they already have a commercial proposition and they don't require any kind of state support or subsidy to operate, which is really nice. Um, it's also interesting because unlike a lot of, um, I think, sort of founder CEOs in the space, Andrew is possibly one of the most humble um, men that I've had the pleasure of spending time with. He's unbelievably understated, um, which is remarkable because he is actually an extremely successful entrepreneur and has built a number of very successful businesses. As he mentioned, you know, he retired many years ago and then came back to launch GeoPura, um, partly because he felt there was a need and wanted to be involved and more active in decarbonization. So I just have nothing but an enormous amount of respect for him and what he's done. And uh, I think our listeners will really enjoy listening to him and uh, hopefully what, uh, you know, he can tell us about his story at GeoPura and maybe what some others can learn from it. I love that intro, Chris. So uh, with that, let's get Andrew on the line. Great to have you on the show, Andy. Uh, can you introduce yourself? And uh, for our listeners who are not familiar with GeoPura, can you just tell us a little bit about why you started the company and what it's focused on? Sure. I'm Andy Cunningham, and I'm uh, Managing Director of GeoPura. Uh, GeoPura, uh, a relatively recent startup company. So 2019, we were incorporated based on probably 10 years or so of research and development into zero emission fuels uh, up until that point. And really, it, the, the motivation for starting the company was a desire amongst a group of people to say, yes, there's lots of proof of concept work that's been done, lots of great research, loads of great projects that show the theory of how things could be done. But can we start a company that will put real commercial applications in place that people will pay at full value for? And of course, uh, the nature of the, the business is that that, that means you're, you're probably working in niches at the moment where you can justify the kind of prices that are necessary to, to actually put real commercial applications in place. But that's where GeoPure was targeted. And uh, it was... Uh, uh, a strong desire to do that because the feeling being that unless solutions are truly commercial, unless we take that step, it's going to be very hard to really move the dial in what we all want, which is decarbonisation and the benefits of uh, lower pollution by by increasing the use of, of fuels such as hydrogen and uh, zero emission fuels based on hydrogen. So maybe maybe just a, a quick follow on around your 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 partnership with Siemens. Um, you know how how important to your your success has that has that been? And I suppose maybe what was the motivation in in setting that up or engaging on the on a partnership basis? So if if you look back on my career um, and uh, uh, look at different things I've done, which which not very many people are going to do, but but I obviously have that ability. Um, you, you you would see that that I've um, started and run and occasionally sold some some small companies, so companies of say a hundred people, uh, pretty small. Um, and I, I have a lot of love for for those kinds of companies that can move in an entrepreneurial way, um, and you get a lot done that way. It's very exciting. 
But I've also worked for large companies and you get the benefit of scale. You get the benefit of uh, global uh, ability to to support and move a, a product and make a difference. And that's uh, an amazing ability to have. So the importance to us is that our we set out not to be a small company in this case. We set out to be a company that would actually make a difference. And the, the size of the task that we're all facing together, all, all of us that are interested in this area, um, is, is so large. Now, the replacement of fossil fuels is such a large task that it takes large companies to make a difference. And the difference between um, 35 people in Geopura um, albeit with great expertise, PhDs and, and fantastic knowledge um, who are doing interesting things with maybe partnering with a company like Siemens Energy that has that global um, scale is that you can make a difference globally. You stand a chance. I'm not saying um, we're not arrogant enough to think that, that we're necessarily going to succeed in everything we're aspiring to do, but at least you feel you've got a decent chance of doing something on a global basis that will make a difference if you have the kind of industrial might that you get with a, a Siemens Energy or a similar partner. Well, something I wanted to say as a follow-up to that, Danny, was that, you know, actually, you know, I think you're extremely modest about your previous career. And so as you've been modest, I'll, 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 I won't um, push you to share more about it. But one thing that actually as a small company, I think you did do very well is actually just raise awareness, frankly, of what is out there. And I thought, wondered maybe if you could talk a little bit about what you did at Goodwood as Jupiter, because I think that people might not be familiar with that, but actually that was a very big outing and it made quite a lot of impact. And I wonder if you, you know, in the context of Siemens and, you know, the disruptive benefit that companies like Jupiter can have on the market, if you talk a little bit about that event and sort of what came from it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That It was great. It was the first actual public event that we did. That was in 2019. Um, and, and, is very typical of of lots of applications that are out there that are totally dependent on diesel generation, which is filthy. I mean, it's been great. It's a diesel for a hundred years has allowed allowed us to do things that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. But we now understand it to be filthy from all points of view, from carbon dioxide, particulates, NOx, pretty unpleasant stuff. But of course, festivals and events. Uh, of which Goodwood is an example uh, here in the UK, are dependent on, I, I can't remember what it is for Goodwood, but I think it might be something like 20 megawatts of diesel generation that they have to put in there. Wouldn't be untypical for a large public event of that kind. Um, and they, along with a lot of other people in that kind of space, are looking for cleaner solutions. And we were able, uh, along with Siemens Energy there, to actually put on the ground uh, hydrogen fuel cell based, if you like, diesel generator replacement. Um, so our that was our first hydrogen power unit that went in there. It was a, a hydrogen power unit, so 250 kilowatt generators, um, critical power systems, and it powered part of the Goodwood Festival of Speed, which is, I think about 200,000 people visited that. It was public. People were able to come and look around it, as well as it doing that practical job. And it was Great exposure. So, so uh, I don't mean particularly of GeoPura, but of the it was good for GeoPura, but it was good for people thinking, oh, this technology really can do something. Hydrogen really can do something for real. It's not necessarily just a future 
um, situation. And and people loved it. I mean, people would, if, if I was a decent businessman, I'd, I'd be selling the water, which is our exhaust, of course. Our only exhaust from these units is water. And you can drink the water because it's very pure. And uh, people loved it, absolutely loved it. And bear in mind, the Goodwood Festival of Speed is all about, normally, you'd associate it with people that might be referred to as petrol heads, you know, like uh, stereotype people in that way. But no, there was huge enthusiasm. And it made us think, um, yeah, this is this is real. There is demand for the, the, the kind of solutions that um, a lot of us are trying to offer. And actually, I just uh, I got to follow up, and then I'll let Patrick in, and, and Andy, you probably uh, will, will learn, and uh, the host, the guests probably know that um, I, I usually interrupt frequently when we go through these things because I get excited and carried away. But um, there are so many applications for hydrogen in general, and I think for fuel cells as well. That's and in some senses, that's been the the blessing and the curse, and hence why people often make the sort of reference to the Swiss Army knife in that it can do many things, but maybe isn't your primary go-to tool for everything. So when GeoPuro was sort of going, okay, we've had all this great response from the event, and we've had all of this, you know, uh, positive engagement, how did you decide, well, of all the opportunities, you know, we're going to focus on these particular segments first, you know, was that simply just where your customers came from first or was it a conscious decision by Geopura to go, this is the segment we think has the most legs to begin with and we'll branch out from there? I, I'd like to pretend we had a fabulous plan that we executed. It, it wouldn't be totally truthful. We certainly believed uh, right from the off that replacement of diesel generators was a key uh, area for us because people pay a lot of money actually for the electricity that they're uh, uh, receiving from a diesel generator it's not cheap and it's generally not reliable and it's certainly dirty um, so there we knew we, we had a good chance of competing it would cost our offering would cost a little bit more um, but it would be an amount that people would be willing to pay and sure enough that was the case things didn't go quite as we expected though because uh, we did expect a lot of business with festivals and events and, uh, and uh, uh, things of that sort um, but of course, COVID kind of intervened and, and a lot of those things went away. Uh, what didn't go away was uh, the construction industry that that continued to operate. And uh, it became very clear we had a, a, a we, our first uh, customer in, in the construction industry was effectively National Grid um, as part of a DC interconnector. We provided power. Um, using one of our hydrogen power units for a construction site uh, in Lincolnshire in the UK. Um, and that was great. That was a seven-month uh, contract that we had there. And it just opened people's eyes, I think, in the construction industry as to what was possible uh, with a lot of strong motivation from uh, companies in that industry who are are keen to make a change. Uh, it's, it's easy, again, to stereotype companies as uh, uh, wanting to behave in a certain way. Certainly, we see a lot of enthusiasm, uh, driven, of course, by uh, um, a certain amount of, of pressure from shareholders as well uh, and, and boards of directors to try and uh, reduce the, the dependence on fossil fuels and uh, yeah, very strong take-up uh, from construction. So perhaps not quite as we expected. We certainly expected the sector as in the, the, the diesel generator replacement market to um, uh, 
be a, a good area for us. But, but maybe it came, the actual interest, as it turned out, came from different areas from what we expected. The other one was film and TV, very, very dependent on diesel generation. And that continued during COVID as well. So uh, we were able to supply a number of uh, major companies, uh, BBC uh, for live broadcast, which was exciting. So, so yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's been a little bit different from what we expected, but it's uh, it's certainly been very interesting and and no lack of enthusiasm from from customers. We we would love to have um, ten or twenty times the number of HPUs and and fuel to fuel them um, if uh, if we could possibly have them because there's certainly a lot of demand in the market. Uh, just just HPU, we're trying to be clear on acronyms. So what's, what is an HPU? Very good. Yes. Uh, sorry about that. So it's hydrogen power unit. So H, when I say HPU, we're talking effectively, if you imagine a, um, a 20 foot shipping container, sort of form factor in our case, um, and, and that includes, a, that's a 250 kilowatt, um, 400 volt three phase AC system with couple of hundred kilowatt hours of battery backup and uh, uninterruptible power supply combined with the fuel cell that's that's what we call our hpu very good maybe maybe to pivot a, a little bit on 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 kind of uh subject a little bit but um one of the questions we ask everybody andy and and, and uh, interested to, to get your answer to it too is you know how how is GeoPure uh, financed? Like how how have you gone about kind of getting financing in the market, given how you know we're still in that uh, disruptive phase and folks are are working some of this out? Yes, yeah, so I, I was perhaps in a slightly different situation to one or two others. I I, I had been fortunate enough to be in a position where I'd sold some businesses, um, and in two thousand and eight, I I effectively retired from paid employment. It was my choice that I was going to invest my own money in uh, renewable energy research and development, specifically in this area of um, zero emission fuels, which I thought was a, I thought energy storage, renewable energy storage was always going to be an important area. Um, so um, I, I personally financed um, both the research and development that led up to GeoPura and GeoPura up until this point. Um, and uh, that's, you know, being uh, all being well is is something that's be beginning to bear fruit. It won't be sufficient, of course, not with the kind of you know you've heard the kind of aspirations we have. It's got us to this first stage, but we are now in the process. Um, uh, we have KPMG as advisors, and we're in the process of doing a, a, I think what might be referred to as a Series A financial raise, and we we're hoping to raise a, a significant amount of uh, funds in the market such that we can uh, uh, expand and meet the kind of customer demand that we, we have at the moment. Yeah, I mean, um, KPMG seem to be mopping up a few of the hydrogen guys and girls, so um, <laughs> any listeners on there who fancy taking a run at them, <laughs> have a go. But uh, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I always really enjoy, actually, Andy, about catching up with Pure is that, you know, this is a company that, you know, uh, you put your money where your mouth is, right? And actually, I think that's something that, uh, you know, we've tried to do as well in Protein, but it's just, I think it's really important. I think it's quite powerful and, uh, yeah, something that I think is quite exciting. Um, you know, given that you were able to sort of finance some of the earlier stages of the project, that you have this partnership with Siemens and that you have a product that's been in the market, 
Um, some would say you're kind of in a pretty good position and that there shouldn't be too many barriers. But we always know there are barriers and challenges to accelerating these businesses. So maybe I can just ask, as you look at the market today, what do you see as the biggest challenges for sort of hydrogen and the types of solutions that GeoPure are providing? Sure. And and if you take out of the equation cash, uh, and the, the good news is that uh, if you if you have a really good, sensible story the market is is strong the market interest in this area is strong so so it is to some extent possible to say that at a certain point cash isn't necessarily the problem um if you take that out then very quickly supply chain is your issue that you you might have the money in your pocket and you want to buy electrolyzers such that you can have the fuel to do the, what you need to do. Um, maybe you want uh, uh, transportation such that you can move fuel to where you need it. And even getting the components you need to, to create your devices that are going to consume hydrogen or, or hydrogen-based fuels, it may be quite difficult to get hold of what you actually need to do the job. And uh, it, it would be easy to rant and rail about this and, and say how poor the supply chain is and, and things of that sort. But this is it. This is where we are. Although there's obviously lots and lots of talk about hydrogen and some amazing projects that are in the offing and, and a lot of work going on globally in a lot of organisations. The reality of the situation right now is that the, the market is pretty thin. There's actually very little green hydrogen around for a start and there's there are comparatively few manufacturers with comparatively little capacity to actually supply the tools that are necessary um so that that i think i don't think anyone else that is involved in the market would say anything particularly different uh, to that that is most definitely the barrier but we have to start uh, and there's, there's there's nothing like having a consumer pull that will will stimulate the the investment in the infrastructure that's necessary to 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 allow the uh, allow the industry to flourish and any just a quick question on that so people who might not be aware um you know GPR have a manufacturing site up in in Newcastle i believe or with Siemens you're manufacturing your units up in Newcastle you know from a supply chain and scaling perspective you know people are always sort of saying um at the macro level oh, it's like the battery industry and the solar industry we we know exactly how to scale these things it's going to be very easy and costs are going to come down very quickly um you know, are, are you as confident about the sort of supply chain and, you know, excluding some of the immediate challenges in the next sort of two, three months? You know, do you feel that companies like yourselves and others in the space are going to be able to scale up to respond to that sort of demand that you're seeing in the market? Yes. Yes, I think we can. But um, I, I think it's it's we're all going to all going to have to work together at it for um, to make it happen. That I mean, what is the size of the fossil fuel industry i i i don't know i i couldn't does does anyone absolutely know but but it's many trillions of dollars per annum is is the amount of money that's changing hands um to allow fossil fuel to be used in the way that we absolutely take for granted that we can use it now the replacement of that is is not something that happens overnight it's not something that happens in in even in a few years this is this is a major task that we're undertaking and 
the demand is going to, is I, I believe going to grow pretty significantly um, um, we're starting off from a very low base so it is continue going to continue to be a challenge that we're fighting against I think for many years to come and in actual fact the only way of approaching it is that the many companies those of us that are involved in this industry I, I feel that we really do have to work together we're, we're not really competitors the, the the market is so vast and the jobs so wide that we have to do that, that we are going to have to uh, combine forces in many cases I think one one last question on the um, and, and given that scale of market that you just mentioned you know what what are your kind of international aspirations and ambitions um, given given that this is going to be you know potentially a, a very significant global solution so there's a the first thing to say is there's a there's global interest and that becomes very easy uh, you know that's the nature of business now is that you, you know you have a solution in the uk and very quickly people around the world know about it and are interested and we we are in a position where we could offer uh, solutions in other parts of the world uh, we have um provided solutions in elsewhere in europe so we we provide a solution in florence for example in italy um but um uh, most pull at the moment is probably coming from North America and the Middle East. I'm uh, being specific about it. That's where most of the, um, uh, from our perspective in the UK, foreign interest is, is coming. Um, we have to be a little bit careful, even, even with Siemens Energy as a partner, who are, of course, an international company with international capabilities. Uh, we, we're just conscious that we mustn't overstretch ourselves too quickly. Um, but we do have aspirations to move into these areas um, in, in uh, moderately quickly because there is undoubtedly a lot of demand. Well, there you go. And I mean, uh, as you said, I'm sure there's no shortage of uh, of interest. It's just um, where do you start it in some sense, isn't it, when, the, when there's so many opportunities almost coming back around to the beginning, you know, of all the things you can target, where do you go? But I think what's always been exciting is that GPR are actually putting solutions out there. And, and the one you didn't talk to, but I still think is an interesting one, and uh, you know, maybe another time we'll pick back up on, is actually um, off-grid EV charging was one, if you remember, many years ago we talked about. And I still think that that's actually quite an interesting area too because, you know, um, people always assume that you're going to be able to do EV charging from the grid. And as we know, living in the UK, it's uh, not always that easy. No, it's, it's if you've got a minute to, to pick up that point, because it's a great point, Chris, uh, um, there is a, a huge underestimation of the amount of energy that needs to be transferred for, to, to do the, to achieve the electrification to any extent of um, transportation uh, before you even start on electrification of heat, which is often uh, uh, a goal in, in many countries. And and there's no doubt about it, the existing distribution, electricity distribution network is not capable of, of that task to the extent of every endpoint being supplied that might, might require that EV charging capability. So whilst we've started... Now, going back to why GeoPure exists, we've started with diesel generator replacement because that is where we can compete on price most effectively at the moment on, on a proper commercial basis. We definitely do see um, as uh, electric vehicles become uh, uh, more the norm that there will be more demand. for You could think of it as grid support would be a way of viewing it. So grid augmentation where there isn't grid or where the grid isn't sufficient to supply that kind of need. We think there will be the need for, for fueled 
solutions um, that will provide electricity on the spot for that purpose. Well, look, um, and it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you very much for giving everyone a little bit of a flavor of what Geopura does. I think, um, you know, it's an exciting company. And obviously, we're really glad to have you on the show. And uh, hopefully, uh, maybe if it's not Goodwood, maybe uh, some E1 or F1 type event in the future. Um, as you as you continue to grow, um, good to have you back on. And, uh, you know, we'll try and post them. Um, if you can share some links after us, we'll try and share a couple of links in the um, podcast episode for our listeners to go see some GeoPure units in action. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's been uh, a pleasure to talk to you as ever. All right, guys. Uh, as we all know, I was not able to join that particular interview, but I understand it was a delightful uh, romp through the world of uh, off-grid power in fuel cells. So, Chris, maybe uh, maybe start with you. What were some of the big takeaways? What was uh, what's what was your biggest talking point in the interview with Andrew? I think the thing that I've sort of mentioned uh, during the interview, but also you know mentioned to a number of people uh, off off the interview, is the fact that the GeoPure's story is exciting because it doesn't require or hasn't required to date government support of any kind to get off the ground. And so for a lot of people that ask, you know, is hydrogen commercially ready? Is it a commercially viable proposition? GeoPure is an absolutely shining example of that. Um, you know, and there are other companies now nascent in the UK that are looking to do more of what they do. So there are companies like Hydrologic, um, which has just raised half a million, I think, through an angel round. I think they did some crowdfunding work. Um, there's a company called Plus Zero. So there are other businesses now moving into this. BOC for a long time has had a product in this range working with a company called TCP, all much smaller. It has to be said, most of their systems are kind of, you know, one, two kilowatts to 50 kilowatt, whereas GeoPure system is much larger. Um, but it just shows that this kind of market for that off-grid power is hugely uh, is hugely exciting. And actually, it's something that goes right back to when me and Patrick first started looking at hydrogen, which was the mining sector, and the sort of need for off-grid replacement of diesel. Um, so I think that kind of is one of the things that is just really exciting uh, and always sits with me. The other, which I think I've made the point before, but really sits with me is companies like Geopura ultimately have been able to get off the ground because there was a particularly driven individual who had the means and the resources to basically get the idea up and running to put capital at risk and to do enough to convince really credible partners in this case Siemens Energy to come with them because the growth that they've made is phenomenal but I think given the level of risk at the time when they started if they hadn't had Andrew's experience and resources I think you know other companies that started similar times are a fraction of the pace of where GeoPura are and that's not because they're not bright people with great ideas it's just really hard to get financing at that early stage um, and so it just points to the fact that there still is a problem in my mind about how we finance a lot of these early stage innovative companies. Um, and I, I'm a little concerned, I guess that's only going to get worse in the current environment. So those are the two observations that jump out at me. Um, Patrick, what about you? Off, off, covered, a, covered a lot of ground there, Chris, already. Um, yeah, look, look, I think this is a, uh, and we see this kind of reflected, you know, you mentioned the mining work, there's there's obviously a very strong use case there. Um, but, but, you know, when we talk about things like data centers, and when we talk about kind of more mobile kind of um, deployable kind of resources or contained limited duration resources, so maybe building sites is another example, or, or can be another uh, example, this kind of... Um, 
limited volume, manageable, uh, uh, dispatchable kind of power is is kind of really really valuable. It's it's also typically very expensive, and lugging diesel around the places is is, is difficult. Um, at the best of times, you know, one of the the callbacks that uh, you know I remember about mining was that you know some of these very very remote mountain located uh, mines would you know, basically double the diesel price that they would pay by virtue of having to burn that amount of fuel carrying the diesel to the site. Um, so there's 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 all these dynamics that that come into play um, around these solutions. But actually, this is this is what's valuable, right? So Andrew, Andrew's obviously hit on a on a particularly uh, interesting kind of stand here. Obviously, saw some application, you know, on on film and cinema. I think there was some some references publicly to to Netflix having been leveraging this uh, this technology pathway. But but you know, I think I think there's some some real value here. Number one, because it is, you know, I think I think Chris, you you probably have strong thoughts on this, but you know, it is this merchant market that's emerging. Um, it is a different use case than the conventional hydrogen use cases. And um, and it's a, it has a real potential consequence in terms of uh, emissions footprints, right? Um, you know, and and let's let's call it back to, to fundamentals of technology here as well, right? The, the you know fuel cell efficiency stronger than than diesel gen set efficiency typically uh, by a by a pretty reasonable margin. So all all good, all very interesting, and 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 really actually for the market's development quite important. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe kick it over to 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 you, Andrew, if you've any. Uh, any interesting points? Well, yeah, I mean, so I have, you know, I have a thought around this, which is, and I think, you know, we've talked about this previously, guys, and I thought it's worth discussing here, but I think this kind of application to to what you guys have said is, is fundamentally important to decarbonization of a range of different off-grid applications. Question is here, are we at a point where, how, how do we deal with merchant supply? of hydrogen here for these kinds of applications. Is it available? Are we, is that going to be a challenge? You know, I think that's a question that we need is, is there enough hydrogen available at a, at a merchant level or will there be in the near term for this kind of application and this kind of technology to really start to displace diesel gin sets in any significant way? I mean, I think, and, and I realize that could be over a longer term, but are we ready to start that process today? I mean, I guess that's my question to you guys. There's obviously a bias here insofar as I would say um, both Proteum and Biotech have a view on the market, which is that we evolve from distributed infrastructure initially and that as you grow a market through that more rapid and sort of easier to finance um, distributed network, you create a backbone and confidence for those larger scale, um, longer term investments like major pipeline networks, long term storage, salt caverns, all that sort of good stuff to come in and, and basically pick up off the back of a distributed network. So that's kind of our our bias, I would suggest. Um, certainly, certainly is, a, is sort of Proteum's take on the market. So I think, given that, um, you just have to be mindful of it. I mean, I think I, I think that market, I think that thesis still works. I think it still works reasonably well because distributed also um, by its nature allows people to build projects in different parts of the market so you don't you know you're not trying to figure out okay if i build all of this in houston or i build all this kind of in california or i build all of this in um cologne or in uh, edinburgh then how am i going to get it to other parts of the country which i think is the issue with a single large um, you know, uh, existing grey hydrogen facility, you can have sort of multiple distributed 
biogas SMR or, or electrolysis-based projects and, and even potentially pyrolysis at some point in the future. You know, so I, I kind of see that that does work. Um, I, I think where then this gets more complicated is who actually ends up who ends up actually having a dominant competitive position in that market because it's one thing for a developer of green hydrogen projects to say look the bulk of what we're doing is a dedicated offtake but we'll make 5 10 15 or 20% of capacity available for merchant that's one thing and that kind of makes sense but to be a 100% merchant as a new company today i think is quite difficult because ultimately you don't have the plug-in distribution infrastructure that a Linde or an Air Products or an Air Liquide has. So you do need partners like a Calagas or, or others to kind of come in and and do all that back-end work for you. Um, and ultimately, the question always is, well, what's your competitive value proposition if it's always merchant? You know, And are you actually at even greater risk of a new type of electrolysis or SMR or pyrolysis equipment becoming available? So I, I think that is probably the one concern I would have to your question, Andrew, which is, you know, yes, you'll have one or two small distributed projects, but for widespread distributed to take off, you still need fixed off takers and then it's a portion of the excess that's available for merchant. So the longer it takes to nail down those offtake agreements and to get those projects built and financed on the offtake that is doing the bulk of the financial lifting, that could potentially hold up or delay some of the merchant market. And and there is a real risk there, which is if these guys can't supply hydrogen to their clients. Um, you know, it does undermine the reputation and reliability of these technologies with customers, and that does longer term create issues. So we do need to think quite carefully as producers of hydrogen and end users of hydrogen on how we ensure that as we're offering more and more of these solutions, that the supply is coming on with at least some consistency in the short term as well as the medium and long term. I think that is a real and a very fair concern that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I think that's I think that's well said. I- Patrick, if I may uh, toss a question your way that perhaps is unfair because it may not be uh, something you have off top of head. Yeah, I, I can see that you're shaking your head right now. So we're going to we're going to give it a go anyway, Patrick. Uh, well, I'll just edit it out if you don't know the answer. What do we know? Do you know off the top of your head uh, what kind of what uh, the percentage of emissions today uh, come from sort of off-grid diesel gen sets and things like that. Is that something you happen to know? I know that's it. I know that that one's that one's a little obscure, but I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on that. I don't, and and I'd also flag that that uh, there may be a number out there, but it, it will be an estimate because if it's a that's going to be a tough one yeah. to to estimate i, um, because I, I get it's, that it's run rate and operation challenges right as well so it's it's how many hours of the day you are running your 20 year old diesel gen set rather than yeah and that's the what i'm driving at here is that i think this is an oft overlooked application right and i think andrew and geo pure are 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 right to be jumping into that sector i think it's an interesting one that is often i think we don't think about what it looks like to run a construction site overnight that does you know these kinds of things are just not considered all that frequently or to run a film production site off-grid in the middle of nowhere right for hours and days on end uh and you're just running diesel gen sets if those can be decarbonized and replaced i think you know it's it's a sector that is often overlooked so i think it's an incredibly important one 
Yeah, no, and and, and there's a there's a whole host of issues around uh, you know non combustion and and kind of temperature man- like there's a there's a there's a whole plethora of reasons that that decarbonizing gensets is is going to be a very very valuable thing to do for sure. Agree with you entirely. Yeah, and there's an you know in another thing that we, I think Secretary Kenny uh, when we had the governor of New Mexico on Secretary Kenny touched on this right. There's even this component around backup generators for cell towers. Uh, and, you know, one of the things he pointed to is that he, not a week goes by in his job as Secretary of Environment for New Mexico, where he's not involved in some discussions about cleaning up uh, cell tower sites because there's diesel spilling out of the generator, backup generators at all the time. So, you know, that's another point where it's not just the emissions, it's the, it's the chemical pollution at those sites so well it's, it's interesting because i think you know um because you're talking about telecom towers um and actually something from the off-grid hydrogen story that's been quite interesting and um it's not specifically for geopure but it does affect them and, and more broadly um it's something we as an industry don't maybe talk about very much but on the off-grid side is quite acute which is theft of fuel you know, diesel theft of fuel and off-grid is a massive issue. It's a huge problem in the developing world because if it's critical infrastructure like telecoms and actually people have stolen your diesel, it's a major problem. And one of the earlier successes of fuel cells for off-grid was a company called Cascadiant. Um, Cascadiant used um, methanol-based fuel cells cut with water. Um, so I think it was something like 30% water mixed with methanol. So it is worthless. It was close to worthless to steel. You couldn't really sell it. The only application was for these fuel cells. And the fuel cells came through uh, a Taiwanese company called Chem, who'd actually originally bought that from Ballard, um, if you sort of follow the chain back. But that was just really interesting because actually that massively cut theft, so that saved cost, but it also hugely improved reliability because you didn't have the systems constantly going down because the fuel had been stolen. Um, and it, and actually, I do wonder whether for a lot of these off-grid applications, having hydrogen, which is just harder to steal and move than having diesel, for example, suddenly it's easier to, you know, take 5, 10, 15, 20 percent of the diesel out of a storage unit without anyone maybe noticing immediately. It's quite hard to tap hydrogen off without kit and for anyone not to notice. Right. I think that will be quite interesting. Uh, no, I was just going to I was going to double down and uh, support your point here, Chris, which is, you know, if you recall, uh, had president of Biotech on a deep dive episode, Michael Kuntz, and this is actually something he points to relatively frequently. It is <laughs> very difficult for someone to steal hydrogen, right, as a uh, as a uh, in terms of just tapping it off of a storage unit so yeah, you can't just lift an mcp off can you <laughs> you can't just lift like an mcp or lift like a tube trailer right i mean this is not easy stuff to do you know and the other thing is you know you might take parts of a lithium-ion battery or a battery set out because batteries are quite valuable and you can kind of move them and and whatever right but actually you know the value of a hydrogen tube trailer is that you can fill it with hydrogen, right? That's kind of the value of it. Actually taking it all apart it is heavy. It's cumbersome, you know, and the relative value of even a type four container versus the equivalent weight in battery is just not there. You know, if you're going to go through the trouble of stealing the thing. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's an additional added benefit that I probably people outside of the industry don't think about immediately. So uh, I think a good note. Uh, well, guys, I think uh, unless there's anything else that I've missed in the questions, I think uh, we're going to wrap this one for this week. 
I, I think not miss because we always cover a lot. I, I think maybe just a, an interesting thought experiment. We had, you know, the first one megawatt fuel cell running the um, the Anglo mining truck in the last couple of months, which was a big sort of win for like relatively large power applications for fuel cells. You know, 250 kilowatt for stationary power is big. You know, Geopure system is a big unit by contrast to where most people have been before. So I, I guess the question to sort of leave on is, you know, are we actually only now a few years away from seeing one megawatt to five megawatt size systems being used for off grid? Because that is really big and that would be really interesting to kind of to see, you know, do people like US military or people like massive um, festival hosts like Glastonbury and people get to the point where they go, actually, we can just drop in massive fuel cells instead of battery packs or, you know, actually what TCP do is they do batteries with a fuel cell because they then carry the, they store the energy in the hydrogen and they top up the batteries because the batteries are more dynamic. So they actually run the two as a really nice link system. So I, I just think that's kind of an interesting footnote to finish on is this is a big step up in scale um, and a big step up in the way that fuel cells are being used off grid. And it just is interesting to see what comes next, you know, and how long it takes to make that next jump up to the megawatt scale. I think that's the perfect place to leave it, Chris. As usual, you've uh, you've tied a nice bow on it at the end. So, guys, I think uh, great interview, great discussion. We'll see you all next time. And that does it for us today here at Everything About Hydrogen. A huge EAH thank you to Andrew Cunningham, founder and director at Geopura, for speaking with us on the show today. And thank you, as always, to Patrick and Chris for their masterful co-hosting abilities and hard work on the show. Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. It really does help us promote the show and reach a larger audience. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.